G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Alex Cook is joining us, the founder of Wealth with Purpose. Alex, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be uh, with you. Alex, uh, just quickly, a number of ways listeners can pose a question. Talkback line open right now on 1-800-316-316. It's only a short segment. Need to be quick with those questions. You can also uh, ask a question on our Ask Alex post on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Alex, a question from a listener that came through just last week. Susan asks... What advice can you give to single mothers like me that can't save the deposit to buy our own home? No doubt this is a common question. Uh, What's your wisdom for Susan? Yeah, and you're right. It's a very common question. A lot of people are obviously naturally frustrated. They watch the housing market. seems to (laughs) go up forever. And, uh, you know, they're desperate to uh, to be able to buy, buy their own home and get into the market. Um, so, look, there's a, there's a few things. So, you know, all is not lost. There are some options. The, the key issue that when you go for a home loan, banks want to know that you can service the loan. That's the key issue. The key thing is, will you be able to service it? Now, obviously, if you're paying rent today, then there's a good chance that you're going to have no problem servicing a loan instead. But they do want to see some form of savings as a general rule. Now, most banks these days will lend you up to about 95% of the value of property. So you need to come up roughly with a 5% deposit, which is challenging. But there is a way around it where some banks will allow you to, they'll lend you 100% of the money so long as you have someone to go guarantor. Um, So it could be you have a parent. And they are able to pledge uh, what we call equity in their in their home towards the loan, and then the bank will lend you a hundred percent of the money, including uh, potentially costs as well, like stamp duty and so forth. So that means that for someone who's a single mum, if you you have your parents that are willing and able to uh, go guarantor, that may mean uh, that you're able to get into the housing market without. A deposit at all which is the challenge that obviously so that's that's one solution um, now keep in mind um, it does involve some risk because someone is having to go guarantor and uh, if when we look in scripture particularly the bible does warn people not to go guarantor so even though the banks may say they can do it you have to really uh, look at your conscience here and in terms of what the bible says about it so that's the first thing the second thing of course is you do need to be able to save something because ultimately the bank wants to see that you have a some degree of surplus so that you're in, in the black, so to speak. And so therefore, I would encourage anyone to do a, do a budget and try and save something. Even if it's a tiny amount each month, you can save, let's say it's $50 a week or $100 a month. What, whatever it is, you need to be able to show that you can save some money. Otherwise, um, they're going to assume that you, you may be at risk of default. And obviously, these days, banks are very nervous about their reputation and they don't want anyone to default. They want to try and avoid that at all costs. Um, so there's a few things to get started. So one, as I say, is the guarantor option. And two is, you know, just being able to save just that little bit, just so you can demonstrate that you can service a loan 
to a bank. Alex, just quickly on this topic before we move on, uh, supposing you've got uh, the parents uh, going guarantor for their uh, for their adult child, uh, is there any way that you can sort of manipulate that and say it's not necessarily guarantor, but in fact uh, part ownership? Is there sort of a joint uh, joint uh, ownership that you can pursue in in property purchase so that you can get into the market? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's absolutely no problem with buying um, a property as either what they call joint tenants. So it's, you know, you've got 50-50 ownership um, or there's what we call tenants in common where you have a particular stake in the property. You know, it could be 20% or it could be, you know, whatever figure you come up with. So, yeah, that's a, that's certainly an option as well. Um, and, yeah, and then maybe in once you once you go down that path, maybe you pay rent to to your parents as, as part owner of the property. Or maybe they're happy just to have the stake in there. Um, and you inherit the money when they pass away. So there's lots of different angles uh, that you could take, but yeah, absolutely no problem with shared ownership as well. Okay, it's a tough road, but there are possibilities, and uh, don't give up hope if you find yourself in single parenthood and uh, challenging times Mm. getting that deposit together. Hey, last week, Alex, we started talking about investing in shares. Of course, uh, the big story around shares that still continues to bubble along is the attention given to the GameStop story, Uh, still one of the most talked-about stocks. Uh, There were wild swings in the stock price. It reached a peak of somewhere around $483 a share. Uh, Today, it looks like the bubble burst and it's back down below $50. (laughs) You've been following this along with GameStop and how this all works uh, with, uh, you know, hedge funds and uh, short selling. Give us some insights here into your view of GameStop and the story so far. Yeah, so look, just the the background. So GameStop is obviously a company listed in the United States. And what they do is they sell computer games. In fact, they have some stores here in Australia as well. Um, but as, as people know, these days, everything is moving away from brick and mortar. And so GameStop have all, all these shops that they own um, and everything's moving online. You know, these days you can buy your computer games through the actual um, products, the Xboxes and PlayStation, all, all of that online. You don't actually need to walk into a store at all. Um, and so a number of fund managers sort of got wind of this. You know, they're tracking stocks, they're researching stocks all the time. And they thought to themselves, well, look, this GameStop doesn't have much of a future. And one of the things in the stock market is you can actually make money from stocks falling. And this this is a weird concept for people. Uh, Most people think the the key to buying shares is you buy low, sell high, right? Very obvious, you buy a company, you hold it for the long term, and eventually it goes up in, in price. That's the basic logic that most of us are operating under. But there's another concept in the stock market, and it's been going for a very long time. It's not a new thing, and it's called short selling. Uh, and it's a weird, weird kind of thing because you're actually selling something before you own it. You're actually selling it, and you have to buy it back in the future. And of course, the idea of it is that you profit from a fall in value of the stock. So let's say you sell the company at ten dollars. Uh, at some point, you have to buy it back. And you want to buy it back at a lower price, let's say $5, and you make a $5 profit. And so the concept here is that you can actually make money when stock markets are going up and when stock markets are going down. And the main kind of group of people that are doing doing this are companies called hedge funds. And really, all they are are fund managers. You know, they're managing people's money, um, you know, managing money on behalf of various investors and super funds and that kind of thing. Uh, and they often play both sides of the market. They go long uh, and then they go short as well. Um, and what's happened in the US has been this, you know, particularly with COVID, you know, with so many people working from home, uh, people, you know, sitting on these uh, 
stock market chat chat rooms and there's i think one called wall street bets that people have been sitting on and they've been sharing ideas on companies to buy and they stumbled along this game stock and they discovered that there were many hedge funds were short selling and i think there's a sort of a mood in america that um you know the stock market is a bit reaped uh, and therefore a lot of these people started buying this game stock hoping to force the hedge funds to make take huge losses as the stock went up in value because the problem with short selling is you can essentially make an infinite loss when you buy a company generally speaking the worst that happens is it goes broke and you lose your money but with short selling in theory the price can go up infinitely and you can lose you know unlimited amounts of money so all these people on these chat rooms are all buying the stock pumping it all up um, hoping these hedge funds would lose lots of money. Um, and to give you an idea of the kinds of losses that have been made over the last 12 months, um, a lot of people have been short selling you know, the, the famous Tesla stock that's run by Elon Musk. And uh, there's been $25 billion in losses in the last 12 months over Tesla shares. So short selling is generally a, a much riskier thing. And uh, these guys are all punting on GameStop. We're trying to actually uh, force these hedge funds to take huge losses and for them to make big gains, um, but they've stepped, sort of stepped into a um, <laughs> they stepped into a dangerous boxing ring, and of course, as you rightly said, uh, GameStop has now plummeted. I think probably ninety odd percent from that peak. Um, so it's a very dangerous game in uh, to play, and of course that leads into a topic well, for what's speculating versus investing. Um, but yeah, very risky, well, risky let's, business. Let's touch on that in just a moment uh, because uh, obviously we're interested in a Christian view of short selling. Can anyone, just like the hedge fund uh, borrowers, borrow shares from a broker or is that something that's underhanded? Is there something illegal about that or is it just a risky activity? Uh, it's perfectly legal, um, and so there are lots of arguments I've, I've heard over the years about some people don't like short selling because of the, the risk that it's pushing stock prices down and, and therefore potentially hurting other investors. Uh, in Australia, it's a very common practice, and in fact, many Australian superannuation funds are lending their shares out to hedge funds to short sell the stock, and they get paid a fee. So there's actually a benefit to the person who's lending the stock to the short seller. Um, now, from a uh, Christian point of view, I think the big issue is here is are you doing it to speculate? Um, and I'm, I mean, I think the Bible is very clear we shouldn't be gambling. And, and that's not to say short selling necessarily is all the time, but in many cases it can be. Uh, and I think the, the risk is you, you go down this path where you're speculating with the money that God has put into your hands and uh, you run the risk of you know blowing yourself up and therefore losing the capital uh, that god has entrusted you to do you know to do good things with so it's certainly not illegal um, it is illegal on certain shares so um, typically in australia you're only allowed to do it on very large companies that are highly liquid um, you can't do it on every company um, so it's not illegal but there is a question mark i guess around some of the ethical things but I think from a, a biblical perspective, you, the key issue is when you're managing the wealth uh, that God has entrusted to you, are you doing it in such a way that you're investing for a purpose, you know, not just, you know, a kingdom purpose, but also, you know, raising your kids, education, retirement, all these things. Are you doing it for a purpose or are you doing just to speculate on things going up and down? And if you're only doing it to speculate on things going up and down, then I think you're getting to a very murky area. Uh, and you run the risk of a, a potentially losing a lot of money, uh, but also, um, you, you know, losing the money that God has entrusted to you to look after and to do good things with. 
there is that thought, isn't there, that if you have a few spare dollars, now you might already be generously uh, contributing in areas within the kingdom and you've got some spare dollars and you're thinking that an investment over here or investment over there, and I know listeners will say, uh, well, we've heard you uh, before, Alex, saying, you know, uh, seven investments, even eight, uh, taking a biblical foundation there, that if there is some level of, uh, you know, uh, specula- speculation allowed with uh, spare dollars, that maybe you ought to be giving that a go. I mean, otherwise you may be, yeah. some people will be afraid of missing the boat on a on something that could uh, could win big. Yeah, look, it's a really interesting area. Look, when we, I get this, this sort of question all the time from, from clients of ours. And so what I say to people is to never allocate more than 5% of your capital to these things that are high risk um five maybe maybe ten percent depends on your age depends on your phase say phase of life all those kind of things so um you know there, there is benefit potentially investing in things that have a higher risk because they've got a potential higher return higher payoff and so forth um but you should never invest money that you can't afford to lose that's the first thing um and then as i say from a christian perspective you've got to say am i really being honoring god with what i'm doing here um but certainly, I say to people, generally, no more than 5% of your investment portfolio should be in things that would be cons- considered to be speculative, because then you're putting yourself into a vulnerable position. And as I say, a very, very big question mark as to whether you're doing the right thing um, you know, by God as well. A powerful thought there and uh, the application of biblical wisdom to the sorts of money issues. That's what this segment is all about and open to calls from listeners. 1-800-316-316 if you have a call and you'd like to pose a question, it could be across any issue and uh, Alex very capable of addressing all of these things and from a biblical point of view. A lot of people interested in what are the biblical ethics around how I deal with my money. Let's touch on another one. Uh, Bitcoin has been hitting record highs. I checked the price just a little earlier this morning before coming on the air. Something like 60000 Australian dollars Bitcoin today. Uh, What are your thoughts around what's been happening with uh, this sort of uh, deal when it comes to cryptocurrencies? Yeah, look, it's a fascinating area. I mean, I, I get excited by the technological side of it, you know, the blockchain technology. And I do think uh, long term, you're going to see digital currencies. That that's inevitable, and all the central banks around the world are working on digital currency strategies. So that's actually um, well established, and that's certainly going on now. No government, to, to my knowledge, has yet officially launched one, but that's certainly the journey that's going on. Um, we are trending you know, towards this completely cashless kind of society. But then you have the the ones that already exist, the cryptos, you know, Bitcoin and Litecoin and all these other things. Um, and but they make me nervous uh, Neil. and the reason why is firstly they're extremely volatile uh, i mean bitcoin as you as you know has gone up from twenty thousand to sixty thousand just over the past you know month or so uh, and there was a day i think a few weeks ago where it fell 30 percent in a single day so on that sense i think it's fair to say that it is highly highly speculative that's the first thing um the sort of what's been driving it in the last couple of weeks is the speculation now that uh, institutions are starting to get in on it and um, i think they're saying that tesla is going to buy one and a half billion of crypto um but the other argument that's often given is that many central banks because they're printing money like crazy you know even australia for the first time last year started printing money what they refer to as quantitative easing and australia's done now 
you know, well over $200 billion of money printing. So there's a sense that when countries are engaging in that kind of activity, that that will devalue their currency. So, you know, the Aussie dollar, the US dollar, all those currencies are devaluing. And the question is, how do you protect yourself? How do you protect your purchasing power of your money? And that's what's been drawing a lot of people into to Bitcoin uh, and the other cryptos. Now, the problem I have with it and the nervousness is, A, not just the volatility, but the real question is, how do you actually value it? What is it, what is it really worth? You know, with something like gold, you know, you've got a physical, tangible asset that can be traded uh, and that has legitimate purposes. With crypto, um, my concern is government legislation uh, could wipe it out at the stroke of a, you know, the, the stro- stroke, stroke of a pen. And so if that happens, you, you'd find that the price of Bitcoin and cryptos would, would plummet in value. So um, if people are going to go down the path, and I know lots of Christians that do have it, and I've had many debates with people over the last two years about it. Um, but if you go down that path, my view is be very, very careful. Only put a tiny, tiny amount of money in there um, because it may, you know, it may rock it up. Who knows? It may go to a million dollars for all we know, but then equally it could fall down to a thousand dollars very, very quickly too. Okay. It's just so speculative. No doubt. Lots more to say when it comes to cryptocurrency. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Time is running out. It's only a short segment. Let's take a call though. David is on the line from Alice Springs in the Northern Territory. David, what's your question? G'day, gents. Uh, yeah, look, it's interesting we're talking about crypto because uh, I do invest in crypto. Uh, and uh, while, while there's a speculative nature about it, when, when you actually start researching, the, the crypto area now is, has become quite uh, complex as well, and, and there's a lot lot more than just Bitcoin. I, I don't see that it's any different, really, than like when you when you lump it all together as one, that, that if you were talking about the stock market and saying, well, you shouldn't invest in shares because they're speculative, I think with the stock market, there are really good and really bad options, as with crypto. And with anything, I think it's about um, understanding what you're investing in. But I'm just interested with you were talking about not, not more than 5% is something speculative. Really, is, is there any investment that's not speculative? So much of property investing is speculating on capital gains and, and stock market is speculating on returns. And, and so, really, what, what is there that's not a speculative investment? Uh, David, good thoughts. A quick response, though, from Alex. Uh, look, no, you raised a very interesting question. Firstly, um, a great principle that you just mentioned, David, was the need to understand what you're investing in. So that's uh, rule 101 should be if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. So that's a very good principle, um, first and foremost. Um, though in terms of investing, though, versus speculating, I do think there are some very distinct differences. So, for example, you're quite right to say that in the stock market, there are some investments that are speculative, but the vast majority are not. Like if I was to go and buy Woolworths shares, for example, uh, Woolworths is a you know, blue chip company, it's been around a very long time, it's bricks and mortar, we all have to shop, we've all got to eat. I would say that the probability of losing money in Woolworths, I mean, obviously it could fluctuate a lot, fluctuate a lot in price but the probability of losing money in it over a very long period is is pretty pretty low and likewise you could say the same about telstra and bhp which is more than 100 years old same with agl so there are a lot of things that are very good long-term investments that will benefit from you know growing population and just becoming more profitable over time so they are to me legitimate investments and they are not speculative uh, in any way volatile yes but not speculative Whereas things like crypto or, you know, it could be small mining companies or small tech startups, all those things, they may succeed or they may fail. And if there's a high chance of failure, 
then that to me means that it, that makes it speculative. Um, but as you rightly say, make sure, and this is for all for all listeners, whatever you invest in, make sure you understand it, make sure you understand how it's valued and, and what it's really worth. That That's a key thing. Understand what you're investing in. And if you don't understand it, run the other way. David from Alice Springs, thank you so much for your call. And, uh, you know, it's a short segment and uh, wouldn't you know it, the phone's lighting up towards the end. Uh, Let me just encourage listeners, uh, if you have a question today, we're going to be doing this regularly each Wednesday in this time slot. And there are some ways that you can pose your question. There is a Facebook post saying, Ask Alex. You can put a question there. Uh, You can call through. You might get through live, as uh, we did have today with that last caller. Uh, But you can also, uh, when that line is closed, you can leave a feedback uh, question, which you can ask your question, and we'll be happy to uh, replay that for Alex uh, and uh, get his responses in this segment at this time each week. Alex Cook leads Wealth With Purpose. He's the founder of that. The Wealth With Purpose website is wealthwithpurpose.com. There's free ebooks, the My Toolkit, there's free videos, there is podcast content. Alex wants to get biblical principles around money into the hands and functioning in the lives of families all over this wonderful nation. Alex Cook, just wonderful getting your insights once again. Look forward to our update again next week at the same time. Excellent. Look forward to it, Neil. And uh, yeah, hopefully lots of more great questions. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.